If you were wondering how your favorite mediocre horror podcast started, it was all thanks to Anchor FM. Anchor FM is a free podcasting platform that allows you to easily create and distribute your podcast and start earning money almost immediately. Anchor.fm also supplies you with the creation tools to help you give each of your episodes a little something extra. That's Anchor.fm or download the Anchor app to make podcasts right on your phone. Again, that's Anchor.fm or download the Anchor app. But now, let's get back into a world of horror. Across the bridge, over the creek, and down the Beckford's hollow. Mind your head, and don't turn back. Lickety-split will follow. This call is about one in the morning. I didn't know you were back in town. There's a pause. I don't have her number saved. But I recognize the voice. The slightest stutter, the round vowels. Sure, yeah, staying in my uncle's caravan park for a little while. Till I'm back on my feet, at least. How'd you know I was here? Then I was back. Rain beats against the thin metal of the caravan. News travels an itch. Her concentration lapses for a second, as if she's seen something. Don't you remember? I do remember, at least some of it. I'm trying to organize my thoughts into something that might actually make sense. When her voice changes, grows lower, concerned. You're okay, though, right? I don't know what she's asking about. If she's just checking up, or if somehow she heard about my breakdown. But I ended up chewing my lip until the pillows were brown and crusted with blood, staring at the ceiling until they had to break down my door. Maybe she's just being nice. I'm fine, Blake. I'm all good. Sure, swing by tomorrow, yeah? It'll at least give me something to do. She hangs up before I have a chance to respond. Good to know she hasn't changed, still finding ways to get you to do what she wants. Little turns of phrase or actions that make her so hard to say no to. I wonder if she's changed as much as I have. It affected her as much as it did to me, if she still has trouble sleeping. I hear it then, in the dark. Someone off in the distance singing it, probably drunk on their way to the camp toilets, or walking back from the pub. The same song that's been sung in this town since I was a boy. Since my father was a boy. The verses change with time, but the melody never changes. Where could you split? My phone buzzes. A text. 128. Make sure you come, Tomo. Have something to tell you. It's important. The drunkard gets closer, saying louder now, and I think they must have woken half the sight when they stagger and steady themselves against my caravan. The noise makes me jump, makes my heart start racing. They continue the song, losing the melody somewhere, but soldiering on regardless, words slurred. Under the branches, through the trees, the flower touching. Watch your tongue and hold it now. Baby Split is watching. Reminds me of how we'd sing it as children. In the playground, the woods, the creek. I wake early the next morning, wash my meds down with cold coffee from the night before our stretch. On the walk to the showers, I see that whoever was drunk and vomited just behind my caravan. Shit, real nice. It's dark. Almost the color of ink, and I can vaguely make out the shapes of love berries, a small... Dark gray berry that grew in the woods, it's bordered. Make a mental note to call my uncle. Let him know. The walk to Blake's doesn't take too long, maybe half an hour. And it's nice to be out in the morning air. Despite the season, it's cold. Nips my exposed skin. Between my fingers, under my jaws. 
As I get closer, memories start to flood back. Half-formed things. After-school walks. Our first cigarette. Ring the doorbell. Stand back. Her house is huge. Imposing. Although empty. I study the vines crawling up the side. The vast windows on the ground floor. The smell... The small windows of her room we used to open to smoke from. The top floor was her parents, although I guess now just her mother's. It's hard to see, but for a moment, it seems as if there's something in the top window, against the glass. Someone. Make eye contact with her mother. So much older than when I last saw her. Her hair a white mess. Her cheeks sunken, eyes fixed on me. I want to look away and focus on the footsteps that, that I can hear coming to the front door, but I can't. I swear she's mouthing something to me, or herself, and just as I'm trying to decipher what it is, Blake opens the door. Shit, Isaac! I'm lost for words. It's been so long. Red hair still a mess. Glasses still perched so far down her nose. I'm not convinced she can see out of them at all. Glasses still perched so far down her nose. I'm not convinced she can see out of them at all. Her grin, all teeth. Older, though. For a moment, I see something in her eyes, a brief sadness, but she, but she pushes through, pulls me into a hug. It's been so long. I hug her back. Too long. I know, I know. I should have moved out by now, but since Mum got sick, she's been bedridden, can't even get up to dress herself to go to the toilet. I'm cheaper than a nurse, right? Rent's cheap, too. She, smi she smiles why, but I can see that she's wanted to get this out of the way, that she had this prepared beforehand. Maybe even rehearsed it. And that talking about it is painful. I think about mentioning her mother in the window. The word she was mouthing. But I decided against it. It must be hard enough already. The same way my body still knew the hills and turns of, t of the town. It still knew her. We knew the rhythm of each other's conversations, of our jokes, our silences. After five minutes, we're talking like old friends. She shows me into the kitchen, makes a cup of tea, offers me some food. We talk a while until she pauses, chewing her lip, concentrating on something. Then her mind springs into action all at once. Upstairs, I want to show you something. I, I don't I don't say much. I nod. This way. I leave my tea on the table, follow her. I have no idea what it is she wants to show me, what it could possibly be. But it must be important. She's acting different. No longer all jokes and smiles. The stairs grow and underfoot and the landing is bare. She gestures to a, to a door. After you. I push it open slowly and take a second to absorb what's inside. Stacks of paper piled on the floor, on the tables. Plates of food and mugs of tea dotting the floor. Whiteboards covered in scribbles of black pen. Corkboards on the walls. Huge and ancient books stacked under the tables. She moves through the mess like a practice eat. With a practice ease, picking her foot up just before they knock something over, bending at just the right time to avoid a stack. She turns to me. Look, uh, I know it's a lot to take in, but I figured, shit, I don't know if there's a nice way to say this. I figured that you out, you out of, you out of anyone would ha have a little more sympathy for all of this. I'm thinking about what she means. What any of this is for, and as if to answer my question, she continues, Luckily split, the nursery rhyme. Remember the verse from the night before, the endless shifting verses of my childhood. Who do you think wrote, wrote it? She waits, expecting a reply. Look, like, I don't know, I don't know if this is, she cuts, she cuts me off. 
the, ver- the verses change year on year. They shift and they change and no one notices. It just happens. I think of the conversation we had downstairs of how she'd seem a little preoccupied and tired. This has been keeping her up and I'm not sure how much good it's doing her. And I've been talking to Michael. I don't know if you guys keep in contact, but he teaches at Manchester's uni, uni now for the linguistics department. The name Michael brings to mind a face, a set of memories. Jealousy, the three of us drinking in fields, the shed we built. He's specializing in local dialects and song. He's been really helpful. She starts going through the stacks of papers now, putting some in her teeth as she flips through. We've been logging the appearances of verses as best we can. When they crop up in home videos, the yearly short film the school makes with the kids, which wasn't easy to get, trust me. She shifts. She le- she shifts, collecting all the pieces of paper she has, now pushing her glasses a little further up her nose to read. These verses just change. One day the kids are singing on the singing one thing, the next they're singing another. No one knows why they change. Has any memory of changing them? It, it's like they come from sort of collective unconscious. Wrinkles her nose, chews her lip. Now this is now this is where me and Michael disagree. He thinks that they're in response to events, but the readings we have aren't accurate enough. Th- that they're uh, an unconscious response to trauma, deaths in the town. This is this is the stamina. The stammers. She stammers a little more. The brain obviously working faster than her mouth. You need you need to trust me, okay? This looks weird, sure. And this next bit will sound weird, but I'm not making it up. All the deaths that happened in this town in the forest, Hannah Blotton in 2003, Tim Jones 2007, all the rest of the rhymes predict them. She looks to me, her eyes wide now, as she just shared something private, a secret. The look you give when you tell a friend how you really feel, when you confess. The rhyme predicts the deaths, Isaac, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's a collective premonition, or if there's something... Someone out there that's using us. It's my turn to cut her off. Blake, this isn't fair. I can't do this. You know I can't do this. I haven't been well. I'm not well. I tap on my temple, indicating where the illness is. I've just recovered. I'm meant to be taking it easy. All that stuff from when we were teenagers, I couldn't handle it. I don't know if you could, but... I can't... I I don't know if you could, but... I, I can't do this with you. I don't wait around to see if she'll try to persuade me to see if she's got some way of reeling me in. I thank her for her hospitality and head down the steps and out the door. As, as I open her gate, I turn to look at the house one more time to see if she's watching from her window. Nothing. Except on the top floor. Her mother. Same as the same as she was before, but closer to the window now. As if she's just desperate to see me. Mouthing some words. Almost shaking. Her eyes fixed on me, going through me. Walk home takes a long time. I wanted to help her. I really did. And I wanted so much to have a friend again. But I know what I can and can't do. What's the, What this will do to my mental health. But it stays in my mind. The way she'd explain it to me. Not just frantic, but also pleading. As if each new fact about her theory was a reason for me to stay. Not to leave her alone in that huge and empty house with her mother. I pass the playground on the way back, and stop for a while. The swings and frame are the same. Fresh coat of paint, maybe. But I can still see where we'd climb, where we'd hide at night, drinking stolen spirits. And I listen. Few kids are playing, 
climbing, and their parents sit on the sides, watching. And as they watch, the kids begin to sing. Through the gate and into the house, let your friends come near you. Talk as if you know that's right, what's right. Flickety-split can hear you. The last line makes me uncomfortable. Makes my chest ache. I have an image of her mother again. Her eyes wide, her mouth moving as if, as if on its own. I can hear Blake tell me about how sick she was. It didn't make sense. The room we were in was below her mother's room. I knew that much, but no. The children continue. The day is new, the day is old, these thoughts are barely crowning. Drunk on the rain and stuck in mud, lickety-split is drowning. As if on cue, it begins to rain again, gently. As I walk, it picks up. The rain thrown by wind growing thicker and faster, until I have to lean into it. Thunder, and lean into it. Thunder. The path turning from gray stone to black. I hurry home, trying to stay as dry as possible, breaking into a little jog. My lungs hurt, and before long, I'm soaked through and out of breath. I stop, leaning back, gulping air down. I haven't run in years, and my body isn't nearly as up for it as I thought. I half-walk, half-jog the rest of the way. Although, when I finally get back to the caravan park, there's a huge commotion. A crowd of people gathered around a caravan, not too far from me. The caravan I was sure belonged to the drunken singer from the night before. I push through them to get to mine, ignoring the faces that pull at me. That is, until I see him. The story they tell after was, the, was that he fell while blackout drunk, slipped on the wet metal steps, holding a bottle, face first into the glass that... And, Face first onto the glass and dislocated his jaw, torn his lips to shreds, and then when his face was pressed into the wet mud, he'd been too dark to pull himself out. The blood and the earth had made a sort of suction, and you could see thin scores in the mud either side of him where he desperately tried to pull himself out. It's a drowned in the mud, hide even a foot from his own home, but that really but that really he drowned in the bottle 20 years earlier. That he was waiting to die anyway. No kids, a dead wife. But I saw the body as they pulled it onto the stretcher. The look in his eyes, terror. The way his mouth was bloody and his jaws hung loose. No way he drowned in the mud. I'd seen, his fa I'd seen faces like that before. Like in Michael too. I'd been so long in therapy convincing myself it didn't happen like that. It couldn't happen like that, and now it, had, and now it had happened again, right in front of me. There was no denying it. I thought on it for the rest of the day until night came. I called Blake. She picked up instantly. Has something happened? Are you okay? Blake, yeah, sort of, but it's complicated. Let's just speak tomorrow. I think I... She cut me off. Hold that thought. Speak tomorrow. Got it. Hold up. Sorry. Noises upstairs. Your mom? Probably. She doesn't walk anymore. Sometimes falls out of bed. Have to help her back in. Gotta go. She hung up before I had a chance to interrupt her, to ask about her mother, to explain that I'd, to explain what I'd seen. It's probably nothing anyway. I try calling her a couple of times, but it doesn't go through. I watch news online with the volume as loud as possible to drown out the noises from outside. Someone's reporting from the local school on the roof that collapsed in a building in the storm. In the background, a couple of kids mill out mill about, waiting to be picked up by their parents. The reporter moves closer to ask them something, but they seem engrossed in, the, in their game instead. Together, in their small voices, slightly out of tune, they
is saying, Now you're here, now you're back, collect your composure, lock the door and hold your breath, look at these splickers closer.